This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bitter Units Beer Podcast, hosted by the TailgateSociety.com. Sponsored in part, or in whole, maybe, know, by <laughs> Revelton Distilling from Osceola, Iowa. There you go, Ted. I got it in at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Check out Revelton. You can find them online at reveltondistilling.com. Um, so we're here with another episode. Um, I am thoroughly ready to drink because it has been a shit bag of a week for me. Um, so we're just going to get right into this and try to shenanigan it up because I'm probably going to be real smarmy today. Um, <laughs> and full of, uh, piss and vinegar. So Tim, you have procured another guest let's find out who's behind door number one yeah i am really excited to talk to this guy um we have followed each other on twitter for a while i think i say that with a lot of uh, our guests um but this is a man whose career i've been really curious about because uh he is a a Midwestern guy, uh, currently the head brewer at Gathering Place in Milwaukee, but he's uh, had an interesting path. He's spent some time uh, with Widmer out in the Pacific Northwest as well. So uh, he's gotten a little bit of experience in, in different breweries and different parts of the country. Um, really excited to have Corey Blodgett here. Corey, welcome to Bitter Units. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> really happy this is actually finally going down after i don't know how many times we had to reschedule for one thing or another yeah man and i, I mean I, I i get it uh mm -hmm. if there's one thing that i can say about the brewing industry it's that it's very predictable everything goes according to plan um <laughs> and uh and there's really no uh last minute changes or, or schedule changes at all pivoting is really should be on every brewer's resume yeah you gotta pivot pretty easily so i'm glad we i'm glad i'm finally here and we can talk and this this is gonna be fun because i haven't done a podcast and probably wow i can't even count that far well, it's not recorded on reel to reel anymore, Corey. Like it's actually like a digital <laughs> recording. Uh, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> We're all old. It is all good. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, Corey, I gave you a, a brief introduction, but do you want to tell right. us a little bit more about? Give us a, the the elevator pitch of who you are. Elevator. Hmm. Is that an elevator I'd be riding on or an elevator that a millennial's riding on? <laughs> uh, I call myself the head brewmaster brewer because I don't like head brewer or brewmaster or master brewer. So I got that from my friend Van in Portland. They like to joke. He likes to joke about that stuff. And I'm, I just basically call myself the head brewmaster brewer because... 
it's really just a brewer um titles are titles but i actually run the i run the show at uh, gathering place brewing in uh, milwaukee wisconsin uh we've been open for roughly four years it'll be five in august um i came back home to take this job i grew up in waterford which um actually is about 35 miles southwest of milwaukee um i lived in portland in seattle starting in 99 we moved back my wife and i and my daughter in 98 not 98 sorry wow very close <laughs> Uh, moved out to Portland, uh, got laid off from my marketing gig. Two years later, I wound up being a brewer in the McMinimins brewing chain, which if you don't know, is just a bunch of brew pubs amongst, it's kind of, they call it, yeah, it's McMinimins, but they kind of, uh, relate it to like a McDonald's thing. It's not that bad, but it's, they, uh, have about... 30 brew pubs within the Portland, Seattle area. Uh, they renovate old buildings and move and make them into hotels, breweries, wineries, stuff like that. Yeah, so I was eight or nine locations right now in hotels, I think. Yeah, their hotels are, they only have about nine hotels, but their brew pubs are about 30. So it's very different than the Midwest on how they run things. Um, Oregon itself, actually the Portland area has about 25 breweries, McMenamins. It's, it's really funky, but the way the licensing goes for every brewery that they had, they could in turn run another pub. But if there was another pub after that distributor, it was a, it was a distributor thing. It wasn't anything, any other way of getting around it so i'd be at a brewery i could service that pub and another pub but if i wanted to send my beer within mcminimins we had to send it through a distributor it, it was a weird distributor law thing so um after that i moved to seattle and took over the head brewing gig at uh, maritime pacific uh which is in uh, one of the one of the original like microbreweries in Seattle, uh, Hales and a couple other ones before them, but Maritime Pacific, if you're in the Seattle area, everyone knows Maritime Pacific. Spent three years there and then got hired on uh, the Wimmer Brothers and eventually took over their innovation brewery, which is uh, uh, Widmer's, the smallest batch Widmer could do was 200 barrels, 250. I think it was 250 barrels. Uh, the pilot system was a 10 barrel system. So I was hired on to took care of that for five years, three, uh, three to five years, and then back home to Wisconsin. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about gathering place. Tell us a little bit about, uh, what that is all about. All right. So, so Joe founder, uh, he, uh, he was born in Kansas City, born and raised Kansas City, Missouri. Went to Marquette, which is how he how he has ties to Milwaukee. 
wound up moving to DC. He's actually uh, more into economic policy. Uh, his degree is all in, in stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> he decided after winning, he won a couple contests. One of them was the, uh, there was a Sam Adams contest that he had, he had placed really high in. And uh, after, again, like most, Home brewers here, they hear their beer is so good they should start a brewery. I don't that's not really <laughs> so he decided he was gonna start a brewery, but again, a brewer. It was one of those things that you as a good business owner, you learn early on that you either do one or the other. You're either a brewer or you're a business owner. So he decided that he had um better hire professional brewer because he knew what he could do but he needed someone who would be able to handle the day-to-day -day operations because they are actually pretty complicated and so uh, he put a hat out on pro brewer then it was literally a week after my wife and i decided that we wanted to move to the midwest applied and here we are um so once I started on, he and I talked. We decided we figured on what we wanted to do. Um, his his winning recipe was uh, a cherry triple. Um, so we knew we were eventually going to wind up doing that, but we didn't really know. We didn't really have a like a focus on on how we wanted to go about you know, the styles we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we knew because he hired me on that we were going to do coast. That was, there was no way I was going to take the job if we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were a few other ones. Uh, but lo and behold, after about six months in, we realized that we did like, Loggers and more beers really well, and there wasn't a lot of places in Milwaukee that were specifically focusing on them. So we wound up doing loggers. Um, we were using, we're still using a Kvike yeast, um, but we wanted to keep it sessionable because after a certain point in time in your drinking career if that's what you want to call it <laughs> and drink more often and not have to worry about you know driving home completely shit-faced or you know remembering what you said the night before <laughs> um we definitely were focused on that and it seems to be hitting it's kind of our brewery is kind of like the city of Milwaukee. You kind of have to know about it. And once you're there, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm staying here. Oh, so you talk about not driving home drunk and stuff. So I have a question because Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Why do Wisconsin people drink so much beer? Like every list I've ever seen of the most beer consumed, it's people from Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin all the time. Most most Wisconsin is German, uh, Italian, uh, Scandinavian. Their cultures are all about drinking, and 
the uh, the state has made it very easy, not, not easy, cheap. <laughs> the state has made it very easy and cheap to drink. Um, so I'm that's what I'm going to fall back on. It's uh, Wisconsin people are tied to their their they most of them don't even know how tied they are to their homeland. That is not Wisconsin, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm like, I grew up around it. It's just, that's the way everyone was raised, and they get it from the old world. And plus, just, it, yeah, yeah, go plus, ahead. I was going to say, plus, if you have to watch the Brewers uh, play, then <laughs> then I think it helps to to have a couple <laughs> beers. They won yesterday. <laughs> what are you talking They're not about? in first place. They're not in first place. I know that much. Wait, is it four games? Oh, okay, yeah, four games out of 162. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I will, I will say this. It's basically you gotta do something while you're doing some. Wisconsin drinking is just basically multitasking because they're going to drink while they're doing other stuff. I'm going to milk the cow. I might as well have a beer. I'm going to talk to the guy. <laughs> I might as well have a beer. I'm going to cook in a grill next to a, a baseball stadium. Might as well have a beer. I'm going to perform it's, some it's open heart surgery. Cutting, cutting, cutting the middleman out and just going straight to home. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly this plane. Give me a beer. I'll <laughs> have a beer. Uh, that's why I would never trust a Wisconsin pilot. <laughs> Mil- I I do like Milwaukee. I've only been there once myself for, ironically enough, a Cubs Brewers game, and Miller Park is dynamite. Ah, oh, such great. But we stayed in a, a suburb called Brookfield. I want to say what's called. I'm sorry. It wasn't too bad, but they had a really cool. Uh, uh, the best wings I've had in my entire life were at Bullwinkles, which I don't know if it's open anymore, but it was they closed, unfortunately, because of Oh, COVID. my God. The Greek wings? Oh, yeah. my God. Those things were amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah they, so, they closed. I know exactly the Bullwinkles you were talking about, and we just drove past there two weeks ago. Oh. My wife is like, hey, there's Bullwinkles. And I'm like, yep. And she's like, it's closed. I'm like, yep. Damn it. I don't that know how it's going to stay open because it's in a very busy, busy part of Brookfield. It's never really part of the mask mandate. So I want to say, also, doesn't that street go directly to Miller Park, too? It yes, like it does. It okay. does. Because yep. we took a shuttle there. It was like pretty much just a straight shot. And yeah. Yep. Yeah, but that no. street goes right by Miller Park. Which Miller Park is amazing. People need to go there. I, I hate people that don't like indoor stadiums because you know what? I've been to Arizona where it was 120 degrees outside. It was 72 uh, inside. I was fine with that. And Miller Park, amazing. You never have a rain out. You always have a good was, time. So. It was cold and wind gusts of 50 miles an hour yes, yep. yesterday. There's no way they would have played that game otherwise. Yeah. But what there's nothing just there's nothing better at a ball game than having a nice good beer and Milwaukee certainly has enough of them. So no, yeah, we try. We definitely so, try. Sounds like to me you guys are saying pro baseball players have gone soft. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Not in Minnesota. Player, not in Minnesota. I am over fifty, so yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The players soft, also majorly, majorly soft players, so. soft fans. Soft. No, I will say soft fans. I will say no. soft fans. Charmin. I'll say a soft league. It's really not the players or the fans. It's the league that's just 10-ply soft. So. It's all about revenue, man. And when I heard they're making Miller Park and making it a retractable dome, I was so upset. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember what April's like in Wisconsin. Yeah, that makes sense. We didn't yeah. worry about October because Milwaukee didn't really make it to October <laughs> when they made that stadium. But yeah, March and day is in March. I'm like, what is going on? Why did we have to push it that? Oh my God, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, Miller Park is beautiful. I love Miller Park, it's so beautiful. Uh, when the roof is open, you can't beat it. No. You can't beat it at all. In August in, in, in the Midwest, oh, my God, it's so disgusting. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, yes, it you is. Gotta have the, yeah. You got to have the roof closed with the air conditioning on because it's just nasty outside. Wait a all minute. Right. Are we talking beer or baseball? We should probably get back to the beer. I was going to try to segue back. We can talk both. I don't this, really care. I just wanted to make sure. All over you the you place. can't watch baseball without beer, so... Oh, I'll go on like eight different tangents. So you're all going to have to be like, hey, slow down there, guy. No, tangents are fine. We love oh. tangents around here. So, I mean, How big of Robin Yount can tangent can you go on? Oh. Uh, not really big. I mean... Oh, come on. I mean, I, I remember him on TV riding the Harley into the stadium <laughs> after the 82 championship, but that was about it. <laughs> I, I Oh, wait. No, I didn't meet him. Sorry. I, I I ran into Paul Molitor before he left and got his autograph. autograph. So I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. I had something there and I lost it. <laughs> Tim, ask him a question or something. Well, I, no, I, so what I what I did want to kind of go into a bit, uh, because it is definitely a style that I am a fan of, but you are absolutely a fanatic uh, of, of <laughs> Um yeah. I don't know that I've seen anyone who is all Kolsch all the time quite like you. So tell me what it is just about Kolsch and Jen, like not even getting into the beer that we're going to taste later, which happens to be a Kolsch. But tell me what it is about Kolsch in general that, uh, like, why you're such a fan of that style. Oh, God. I don't know if we have the time for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called co uh, content, Corey. We, we, yeah, 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 that's yeah. exactly yeah, what we're looking for. <laughs> so let's, okay. Uh, the shorter side is um, my degree is actually in history, and it's in cultural history uh it's actually a native american cultural history but it it sent me down a road uh i went and saw he he's he's not well liked anymore but i went and saw sherman alexi at a reading in uh milwaukee and a woman asked him he's, 
She's like, how do you choose? I, I got this and this and this. And he's like, she's like, I don't, honestly, I don't know how to choose. And he's like, pick one. Just pick one. Pick one version of your family history and follow it back. You don't have to be true to every part of your family history. Just, be, just pick one. And that stuck with me. And I, I followed my roots back and my roots on one side of my family go back to Cone. And this was before, this was actually before I got into brewing. And I just kept following it. And then I started tasting the beer. I'm like, this is, this beer is absolutely amazing because I could drink this at any time talking to friends i can drink it at home alone this is just an amazing style of beer flying an airplane yeah. <laughs> yeah. surgery any anytime uh so i just kept following that and i grew more and more infatuated with it and then i grew in love with the city and if if you know anything about the style, Kolsch, Kolsch is integral to the. So I actually fell in love with the city. And the city uh, even made my love of Kolsch stronger. It's an easy drinking beer. It's light. It's the I honestly I think it's the hardest beer. For a professional brewer, I think it's the hardest beer to make because you can make a mistake on like an IPA and you can hide it. You can kind of make a mistake with Pilsner and hide it. But there is, there's no hiding anything on a coast because you can mess up with the yeast and it'll show. You can mess up with the recipe and it'll show. There's no, there's not a lot of bitterness to cover up anything. It's so hard to make. And most people, no offense to the brewing industry. I love it. Most U.S. brewers get it wrong. I would say 80% of the time brewers in the U.S. get it close wrong. Just because they read a book that's completely out of date. They've read something on the internet that says the water is soft when it's not even close to being soft. Uh, it's just, it's, there's so many things that you can go wrong with and it'll show. And I like that because it challenges me. It challenges me as a brewer. And that's I mean, I've, I've, I've had your Kolsch and I do think it is, it is very fantastic. I've never been to Colm, so I can't tell you that it's an authentic version because I do not know, but it is to me, uh, from what I understand a Kolsch to be like, definitely, uh, one of the better versions that I've had. And I, I mean, you're, you're right. So many American brewers are told that it's the really soft waters that make it really what it is. (laughs) It's which, not even remotely close. Yeah, which is so high. It is so high in in um, like temporary hardness. It is just so high, and the brewers in Cologne are so proud of their water, and they're so proud of it. When I came to Milwaukee and I saw how our water was so close to Cologne, I'm like, 
I am almost there. I am almost there. Our water's just right. It's just, it's, for me, it's, it's not even a, I'm passionate about it because it's part of my heritage and I want to share that with the people that are, that I come in contact with. It's not, I mean, if you see me on Twitter, I can be a complete asshole about it. (laughs) All about like, okay, this is my history. This is how I relate to it. Now you go and you go and find something that you can relate. I'm not even trying to get people to love cults. I'm trying to get people to relate to a, like a shared background, some part of their history, something that they can connect the beer that they have in their hand to how they're living their life. And that's all I'm really trying to do. Mine happens to be Kolsch, and it will never, ever not be Kolsch. <laughs> <laughs> so like, for our listeners, and, and probably even just for for uh, Aaron and JT, so technically it's not a Kolsch unless it's brewed in Kolsch. Legally, yes. Legally, right. Yes. Uh, so, well, for me, it's legally. Yeah, it's protected within the it's European legal. Union, but here in the United States, it's we can call it whatever we want. Um, and if I have heard enough from my lawyer friends, all we need is for the Cologne brewers to get loss of revenue because of us so people let's say people stop going to cologne because they're coming here to drink coals they have a basis to say that well that's not a true coals we're losing money because of that they can tech that's why the the ttb is kind of like "Mm, you got to say coal style Mm -hmm. you can't say coals because eventually they could come and say something. Because champ, if you, if anything, it's already right down this road. So it's it's a protection. It's not illegal for us to make. It's not illegal for us to say whole style, but it's not technically close unless it's made in the city limits of Cologne. And there's one brewery, Zumft, who's just outside of the city limits, but they are grandfathered in. So I, the style itself is pretty, you know, is, is kind of unique because it is a, a you know, a, a quote unquote top fermenting yeast conditioned cold meant to more kind of compete with lagers in, in some mm-hmm. way, shape or form. You know what I yep. mean? But but it's not you know it's kind of that in that hybrid realm which i think is what makes it to me uh one of the more accessible styles right 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 every brewery in the city has their own version so one can be hoppy one can be not so hoppy one can be malty one can be really dry and you will not go to any brewery in cologne and taste the same beer even though it's the state they follow the same guidelines. They use the same water. It falls within a certain uh, color percentage. 
they're all rules, but none of them, none of them have the same, the beer that tastes the same. They're just completely different. It's, it's actually, it's really beautiful to go there and drink. And for me, it's a shame when it comes over here and you hear brewers that proclaim that they want to like preserve the history and they don't come anywhere near. I'm not saying it's a bad beer. Like I said on tw- like I say Twitter a lot, that's a beautiful gold now. I love it. It's awesome. I'll drink it all the time <laughs> because it's not false. You've missed the mark. Like you I, you put that in a you put that in a store and it says gold now. I'll buy it. I got no problem buying that. That's great. You put it in the store and it's cold. So I bring that six pack for back home and I taste it and I don't like it. I'm being pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the whole the whole idea though is like <clears throat> style gets to be nebulous, and style has gotten more and more nebulous. Style guidelines yeah. right. uh, help kind of point us in the right direction, but if you read right. style, if you you know, you can read the BJCP style guidelines for three different styles, and they sure. all sound pretty similar. But the point right. is, is that it's setting up an expectation, right? Right. Um, and and so I think that's where people do need to kind of, uh, you know, be more deliberate in those because at this point, you know, sometimes you're you're hearing these styles that you know it's like, well, you might right. as well just call that Kolsch inspired, not even Kolsch style, like Kolsch right, inspired. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the the Brewers of Cologne sent out and they actually wrote them down so they they have their own guidelines on what this beer can be i remember correctly it can't be over 11 plato can't be over i think five to five two percent obviously it follows the purity law Mm -hmm. but that's about and the color i mean it has to have a certain color but they set their own guidelines and that's what it should be. So when I see a cool shout there that says five four, I just did a competition where the coal style top end was six. And like no one's gonna be drinking two centiliters of Kolsch or two deciliters of Kolsch at six percent. They're not gonna be knocking them back like that like they do in cologne there's no way guidelines are cool and that like colch is literally the only guideline i really follow i kind of go and see as a brewer i'll go and see i'll stay within the bjcp or the ba guidelines but that's not what i'm shooting for what i'm shooting for is flavor and taste and all this other stuff that that relates to a customer the customer doesn't care if it's to a degree on the alcohol percent will 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 agree to disagree with some customers but customers don't care if it's 5.2 or 5.4 and it's called a pilsner they don't care they'll hear pilsner and they'll think of a certain thing or they'll hear stout and they'll think a certain thing but there's there's like 
some wiggle room. Whereas Kolsch is defined as this to this. And they're doing that because none of the breweries in town really wanted to compete with people. They haven't... <laughs> They have an actual, if, if you don't know anything about the city, which COVID probably messed up. Köln is a um, convention city. Every month, every two weeks, there's a convention. So they have people already coming to the city. They just want people to drink their beer. And they're going to challenge each brewery to drink our beer. And their beer is just a tad bit different. But they're all on the same guidelines. That's the only guidelines I follow is the one of those. And I do, when I do a recipe, I'll check the guidelines. I'm not going to go super far above it or super far below it. I'll be in with that range, but it's kind of like a, it's, it's definitely not on my mind when I make a recipe. Whereas in, when I make my Kolsch, I have, I know what I'm shooting for and I know it's defined by what the, what the cone brewers. I, you know, you talked about some of the other styles that you make. Uh, the other one of yours that I've had is the uh, Arifa Dirtrick uh, Roma. The, the, the Roma, Italian yes, Pilsner, yes. Uh, which, I, which I also thought was, was quite nice. Um, but you're not someone, you know, you guys are in a place that, you know, just sticks to lagers. You, you do have... Uh, uh, stouts uh you do have an ipa right you you do have a little bit of those but like you said you know we make a cold ipa (laughs) (laughs) what's what's a cold ipa all right so and kevin is the head brew master brewer of wayfinder and a few years back he basically was messing around. Their Wayfinder is mostly a lager brewery. They do like hoppy beers, but he was messing around with trying to make a India pale lager, for lack of a better term, using New England style IPA. And they tweaked. As far as I can tell, he tweaked a bunch of recipes. But it basically is a cold IPA is um, IPA recipe with a high amount of adjunct rice or corn. It's brewed or fermented with uh, a lager hot or a ale strain cold. It's dry hopped like a New England style IPA. So it's basically trying to do what a brood IPA was doing, but in a better way. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, our IPA is all Pilsner with flaked corn. It's hopped like I would hop an IPA. We use a coal so we can call it. Our coal is actually fermented at 68. This is fermented at 60. Um, so it's on a different scale. It's dry hopped like a New England style IPA. So it's basically, and ours is seven. He, he says seven is the lowest. 
I don't know if that's true. I'm not done enough trials with it, but I trust him because he's worked at so many great breweries. He knows what he's talking about. Um, I think it's because the amount, the amount of adjuncts and the alcohol percentage, if you put those adjuncts, it's not going to taste, it's not going to taste as well at 6% as it does at seven, but you'll have to talk to him about that. I have no idea, but cold IPA is the it's a crappy term. Hate it. He knows I hate it. <laughs> it's just basically it's either an ipl or it's a like a steam beer a highly hopped steam beer yeah I, yeah I, I mean uh, obviously kevin is the one who kind of gets to decide since he's the the originator it's his of the, thing man yeah I'm he's the originator sure. of of the style but you know right you certainly see people that are debating, is this really just an IPL? And oh, I, would I say, saw someone the other day that's like, is this an IPL or is it a, is it a cold IPA? And then I looked at the alcohol percentage, like 5.2. I'm like, it's neither. Yeah. I call a 5.2 beer an IPL. It's it's a dry hop pilsner. That's cool. It's, you just call it a dry hop pilsner, please. Like, we're getting... <laughs> We're getting so deep in the like the stupid weeds in this industry. Like, can you do we really have to are we are we toppers? Are we really trying to top each other out? I don't get it. Like cold IP. Yeah. Go ahead. No, like I was gonna say, like, especially because what you were saying that as far as the consumer cares, I mean they don't they don't give a shit. They want a beer that tastes good. So when we get up on our own ass about this stuff. Um, it's, it's a whole lot of just kind of, it, it's a big pissing contest in my opinion. If, if you make an IPA with a lager strain, you fermented at 62 and called it an ale, who's the only people that are going to know are the geeks that have actually gone, sent it to be tested. Like no one's, <laughs> no, no one's going to know who cares. I just smoke like cold IPA because cold is such a crappy term. It's like every beer we have is cold. So like <laughs> this whole cold IPA thing. Like people aren't going to hear cold IPA and be like, oh, they fermented it cold. They're going to be like, yeah, cold. Cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it, at that point, it sounds to me. You know, if you're kind of a lay consumer, no different than cold filtered. Like anyone is right. their beer right. hot before they're filtered. You know what I mean? Like it becomes it's a marketing. Like, it's com- it's clearly a marketing term. Brewed with the water from the Rocky Mountains. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what like bears do in that water? <laughs> we call ours our Midwest IPA because the the I'd say. 80% of the malt is from Wisconsin and the hops are from the dry hops are from Wisconsin. So like, I would say like 90% of that beer is from Wisconsin. So we call it a Midwest IPA. There was no way we were going to call it a cold IPA because people in Wisconsin or Milwaukee were like, what's that? I don't understand that. So we, we did, that and that was kind of like let's do it and that was more of me being like 
All right, I got three yeasts in my brew house. How do I eliminate one of them? And the Clavike <laughs> strain got sent to the packing line because we did like four test bats with our our society members and our society members picked the Kulsh yeast and it was off. So I'm like, all right, see you later, Clavike strain. We'll use you once in a while, but it was just, it was one way of me to get rid of one yeast, but it was also a way of challenging our customers into what they're liking. That that first batch of that IPA last, uh, I mean, we're on our, the keg blew today, the cans, I think we have maybe 10 cases left. And it's, I think, not even 30 days old yet. So it was gone in no time. So apparently people liked it. But getting back, long way back, getting back, we don't just do loggers. Loggers are our, like our passion, but we do our Kolsch. We do a cream ale. We do our IPA. Some of our seasonals are Belgian inspired, although not too many. Uh, we do um, uh, Hefeweizen, uh, Dark Weizenbach as one of our seasonals. My mind has always been challenged by stuff that people may not like, but may not know that they like. So like dark mild, we did a dark mild for our society members. That was amazing. We just did a Grzynski on our pilot system with 100% smoked malt from uh, Maltzer in Indiana. And I had no idea how that's gonna turn out, but the brewery smelled like smoked all day long and when i walk past the pilot system today it still smelled like smoke so hopefully that turns out i just want to challenge people because if you're just drinking to get drunk why are you drinking beer because <laughs> i got a whole list of liquors down there that we can be drinking from but when i came into brewing that's the way it was like you're drinking to get drunk like why that's like you, like I could get a vodka tonic for, I could get two vodka tonics for the amount of money that I'm paying for a beer. Why would I want to drink a beer to get drunk? Yeah, I'm I mean, it, it amazes me the number of people that I see go into a tap room and the, and the question they ask is, is what's your, uh, what's your highest alcohol beer? Yeah, and I'm like, why, why, why are you here? I mean, it's kind of like going into a restaurant and saying what is your your fattiest uh, food that you have or what is your your highest c caloric thing if if all you're doing is trying to to get that yeah like you said there's there's plenty that's of other the, ways that's what, hey and i got no problem if that's what you're trying to do go do it but don't come into the brewery and be like what's your high alcohol beer like wait are you trying to are you trying to enjoy your time or are you just trying to get shit faced because like there's two bars on the street that can do it for cheaper. Like they'll give you double tall vodka tonics for the rest of the night and it'll still call, cost cheaper than, us, than you buying a pint of our beer. 
I've, I've gotten very uh, uh, beyond my limits in the city of Milwaukee, so I can confirm there are plenty of bars around there that will sell you no. <laughs> very cheap high alcohol. I'm not joking. I, you could walk like you could walk to several bars past our our tap room. If you, all you're trying to do is get drunk, they will be happy to take care of you. It's it's it, it boggles me that that is what I mean. I it doesn't boggle me because I remember how I drank when I was 24, 25, but I didn't. I wasn't at that time. There wasn't the amount of beer that there is now. So I'm like, well, if I really want to get drunk, I'm going to go to the 25 cent rail drink night. <laughs> That's how I'm going to get drunk. But nowadays, I mean, there's so many options. So many options out there. And we're all somewhat fighting for our place. That's what I like Chris at Notch over in primarily because they don't, they rarely do anything over five, five and a half percent. And that's what I tried to get gathering place for the most part. We got 12 taps. I'd say eight of them, eight of them are under five and a half percent. The other four are like, are like really specialty beers. Like all that other stuff, like our regular stuff, barely, aside from the IPA, doesn't get close to five and a half. Like I think the town is five, our, our Hellas is five, our Coast is five, 4.8, our chill, our, our cream, the Midwest chills like 5%. Our, I mean, our coffee stout's only five and a half percent. Like most people just put on when they're taking a beer home, they're taking a beer home to drink, not to get blasted, but to to enjoy. And that's what we're trying to do at Gathering Place. Like, you can you can go and have fun, but you can also come and enjoy other people's company and drink beer and enjoy the community that you're part of. Well, that's cool because I mean that that's. Where I'm at, as a 44 year old, is I just want to sit around and visit and drink. But yeah, where I'm also at as a 44 year old is hosting podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and we at this podcast like to give our guests what they want. And you said you will like to be challenged. So we challenge all our guests with a specific question. Right. Um, and, and we'll give you a few minutes because we're going to take a break here after I ask you this question so that we can all grab the beer and we'll go into the tasting and you can answer that question when we come back from our break here. But that question is one you've probably been asked before. Um, but this is the most important time you've been asked. <laughs> um, you're stranded on a desert island and you have three to five, your choice, three up to five beers that you... and. It's a magical island. We've established that in the past with other guests. The beers are always perfect, <laughs> kept cold. Everything's always correct, right? So three to five beers you got to have on your desert island. So think about that. We're going to grab some beers. We're going to come back with the beer that Corey selected and go through that and get his answers right after this break with a message from our sponsor, Revelton Distilling, on this episode of Bitter Units. 
This podcast of the Tailgate Society is sponsored by Rivelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. So they opened Revelton Distillery, where they offer a family of products including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery store. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that word from our sponsor, Revelton Distilling in Osceola, Iowa. Something, something Clay Street. Four, 1400 West Clay Street. 1400. I knew it. <sighs> because I always hear it when you say it on Old Man Street. And I'm like, uh. dude, I, re- I was on a radio. That was, I used to work on a radio station. That was, oh. <laughs> I, I knew it because Tim, Tim says it on Old Man Street all the time. And I, I had it and then I lost it. And there we oh, go. no, it wasn't terrible. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's <laughs> That's all right. We're not professionals here. We haven't ever gotten paid for this shit. We're, oh shit! I didn't know. You know so it's all right. Uh, so I didn't, get, I didn't work on a radio station where I would get busted by going by something something State Street. <laughs> no, you know where it is. You have everyone has a phone now. So they can figure it out. That's right. Look it up. Uh, so we asked you the question. We're going to start with that. Um, obviously, Desert Island, three to five beers. I have a sneaky suspicion at least one of them is going to be a Kolsch. But you tell us. Oh, yeah. No. I'd, if I got stranded on a desert island, it would... It would be, it would be a Kolsch, number one overall. Doesn't matter which one it is, I'll take it. Uh, and by that, my I mean, it has to be brewed in Cologne. It can't be something that I brewed in Milwaukee or our friends down at Dovetail brewed in Illinois. It has to be brewed in Cologne. So, doesn't matter which one. They're all really good. So I'm going to take that. Um, uh, Grevensteiner. Uh, man, I love Grevensteiner. It's uh, a lager from the northern part of Germany, not like Bavaria, which everyone thinks beer comes from. Um, <laughs> their lawn beer is... So, so good. I could drink that 24-7 and not have a problem with it. Uh, three months. Uh, I don't know if they still call it. Uh, it's three months. It's a French brewery, um, a beer de garde, and I can't. Oh, it's they call it the grand. They used to call it the Grand Reserve. I don't know if that's what they call it now, but man, that was an eye opener. Um, uh, and then a really good, as long as it's fresh, a really good fresh anchor steam is so goddamn good. It's so good. Um, 
I had a birthday party in Portland with my friends and we were there and they had anchor steam on tap and they kept coming over to us and we're like, what are you drinking? We're like, anchor steam. Like, why? Because it's good. It's good. Why are you not drinking anchor steam right now instead of that crappy IPA? Well, not crappy because it was, it was, (laughs) but comparatively speaking a really good anchor steam is much better than a, a like a mediocre ipa and then if i could have one of the best brewers in england making me a dark mild i could be set on that island i think i'd be pretty set yeah i i i like i like that list you know uh <laughs> Uh, and I agree with you on Ingerstein, man. I, I think that's, you know, obviously, you know, Fritz Maytag is, is kind of the grandfather of this industry, but I think people have kind of forgotten about that, that beer and just, you know, a California common in general, uh, for a it's while, a but, but boy, there's, there's nothing, uh, to me that, that makes me think of, of, uh, social drinking like hanging out talk chatting with friends with a beer in my hand quite like an anchor steam no man it's that beer is so underrated it is so underrated people will it'd be on tap on a 20 tap list and i guarantee you it's probably at the bottom third of that popularity just because people just they gloss over it and they want to make sure that they get the newest thing and when that the best thing on that tap list is probably Ankerstein. Oh, that beer is so good, fresh. You know, you know what's funny is like if you, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen this where you're working a festival and even like the biggest hype bro breweries, the brewers that are working that festival, what they're drinking when they're sitting, you know, when they're inside their tent when they're when they're in back or they're over in the hospitality tent, they're not even drinking hype beers. They don't. They don't. Nope. They don't want want those beers. They're they're, they're making those beers because those beers sell. <laughs> right, right, right. Set. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll stop you before because you. So we gathering place is known uh, as a uh, a brewery that caters to both the um, food service industry people that work in the food industry. They mm-hmm. like our beer. And then brewers, they come they come to the city and they'll be working an event and they'll come to our brewery afterwards because that's that's what they want to drink. There's brewers Anthony Bourdain would talk about it all the time. Cooks know what they want and they want this. Brewers know what they want. It's this, but they can't. There's brewers in Milwaukee. They'll be like, oh, man, I really wish I could make lagers. I'm like, you can make lagers, but you don't want to. You're focused on something else. But they all come to our place. They all come to our place to sit there and have, like, a Hellas lager or our Dunkle lager because that's what they want to drink at the end of the day. They don't, they don't want to have their palates wrecked by the time they have one of their beers. It's just, it's so fun and funny. (laughs) Honored to like have brewers come to my place because that's what they want to drink. But it's 
funny to me that like you could make that if you made it a goal, but you're not making it a goal. You're like like just kind of shrugging your shoulders and be like, well, this is what we gotta make. Like, no, you you have a choice. Everyone has a choice. You wanna make a logger, make a logger. But don't do it half-assed. Just jump into it and do it. And that's what we've done. And that's I think part of our reputation in with within the industry is we're not just gonna make the beer to make the beer. We're gonna make the beer because we want people to experience that beer. So I'm sorry I interrupted you, Tim. No, Corey, that that's perfect. That's that's kind of what I was getting at, man. Is is I appreciate that you're a you're a brewer's brewer and a brewer's brewery uh, because uh, too often that's not that's not what you know. It's not it's not the case. And like most people, like there's there's breweries that have opened up in the city and outside the city because I I keep an eye on it and I look and they're like oh you're doing this and then all of a sudden the menu is a hundred percent like new england style ipas overfruited sours and imperial stouts it's like well clearly you weren't getting enough business so you popped into this because this was the easy way route but most brewers that's why i like not chris's experienced enough he's like i know what i know what i can sell and it's all in that mentality of the brewer and like i can make this and i can sell it if i can't sell it why am i making it you know so i can make lagers i can make german style beers i can make english style beers but it's really hard because when you put a class in front of someone that says mild People are like mild. What? What's that mean? Well, it's mild. <laughs> I don't really want to get into the history of that, but but it's like we couldn't sell ESB because it people knew that the B meant bitter, and we're like, I don't like bitter. No, I think no, that's not. It's not necessarily what it means. But okay, sure. yeah. Yeah, we the, one of the breweries I, I used to work for, we had to discontinue our ESB. It was it was our most awarded beer. Um, and if you talk to everyone that is a big fan of that brewery, they'll say, "Hey, when are you going to bring back that ESB? When are you going to bring back that ESB?" But the problem is, is it didn't sell well because so many people were afraid of the word bitter and you'd have to and so now you had to go into and it's great to be able to spend some time and educate a consumer about what all that means but you you don't get the opportunity to do that in a liquor store when they're staring at at the cooler looking to buy a beer and it's yeah. hard and it's hard enough to do it when you've got a a, a line a mile long at your t- at your your tasting room to do it yeah so i mean so i can sell an ESB and name it something else. And it's still an ESB. So yeah. for me, it's ESB. For the customer, do they need to know it's an ESB? Not necessarily. They, we could just call it a, like, I wouldn't call it an amber ale because now, because of 
the way Fat Tire and some of the other places have gone to Amber Ale is kind of like you have a specific thing. Yeah. When you hear Amber Ale, you have a specific thing in mind. But that's I don't like cold IPA, but there's ways to tweak the way you present that beer to someone where they can enjoy it and you feel still connected. Like, if they're really interested, then you can go down the road and say, well, that's actually an ESB, which is blah, 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 blah. But you got to be able to bring the people in. And ESB, mild, the, the nomenclature from the old days doesn't really fit. Pale ale was only pale because it was paler than a stout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. bitter because it's only, it's more bitter than one thing like uh mild, mild is it's mild I mean, <laughs> you get into that nomenclature and people just like they hear that and they connect it in a way that's not necessarily how they're gonna relate to that beer we all can figure out something different um how we explain things everyone's like what am i what do i want to call what should i call a kolsch if i can't call it a kolsch well i i went i tried to do rhenish pale people know rhenish meaning even though it's from the rhineland it's it's rhenish pale german pale doesn't actually work because when everyone's a german in bavaria so German pale works. It doesn't work because if you've been to Germany, the people in Köln do not relate at any way to Bavaria. So, you know, there's weight. Kohl style is what I've fallen into. I really wish we didn't use it because it's just basically using Kohl's style to it. There's ways as we, as brewers, and marketers and publicans can present a beer that's going to relate to everyone else without relating it to a style because no one really like you can't really call it a belgian style it wasn't brewed in belgium so we have to be able to in this in our country be able to present a beer without having to use old terms like ESB and present it to a new group of people that don't really, you know, they don't have that kind of connection. ESB to me means a lot because I'm 50 and I get it. But <laughs> ESB to a 25-year-old, to be able to present it to a new audience in a way that they can relate not could call it an ESB because they can they'll package it in a way that an ESB is fucking cool. Most breweries can't do that. So they'll put it on an ESB and people are like, well, okay, give me your IPA. Yeah. And they don't put any thought process to it. Like, don't call it an ESB. Just call it something that a younger person or someone just getting into the industry could relate to. And that's our, I mean, aside from a bunch of other issues, that's 
<laughs> on beer styles, that's our biggest problem. Like we always fall back on these old terms that don't mean squat. So, like, yeah, everything's an IPA, as John it, 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 off color says. Everything's IPA. Everything's a Kolsch. Everything you could call it whatever you want, but you want to you want even to drink an ESB that's not. That has no idea what ESB means. Just don't call it an ESP. There's no reason in this day and age that we actually have to call something anything aside from a beer. We could give it a name and we give it some sort of parameters on the on the label. People buy it they don't like it they don't like it but they're not they're not gonna say i didn't like it because it's an esb they're gonna say they're not they're gonna be like i didn't like it because i didn't like it no i no i i I just got on my high horse (laughs) (laughs) hey i i am right with you i i've been someone who has intentionally changed you know, what I've called a beer in the past changed the style or invented a style. Uh, when people don't know what cream ale is, I just said light ale, uh, which is a, a, a bullshit term that explains it. What is, it is. But who cares, right? Right, right. And, and it works better that way. So I hear you. But um, you're, you're a bullshit term, Tim. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, most of it, I mean, like IPA does not resonate. Because no one's, in theory, sending beer to the India Isles, which is <laughs> theoretically why they called it that, which is, we're not even going to go down that argument. Right. But I mean, like, yeah, what's I, wrong with calling something a blonde ale or a golden ale? Because it's not sexy. I'm like, if you're a good brewer and you have a good team around you, you call something a golden ale, you'll be able to sell it. Because, yeah, after all, it's all about what's inside the glass. So if someone tries your golden ale and it's delicious, it's great, right? So why are we hung up on all these terms on, I mean, even Kulsh, but... Well, well, Why are we okay. all hung up on these terms if we're just trying to sell beer? Can't we just if you if you're a good brewer and you have a good team? The, the thing is, you have to be either a good brewer or you have to have a good team around. If you have one or the other, it's going to fail. But if you have that, we're seeing it all over the country. Notch, Schilling, uh, Artifact, like you don't you just make good beer. Call it what you will, people will drink it and they'll come back over and over and over again. Like Miller is not called anything but Miller. <laughs> they, call it a lo- they call it a lager. So gen- it's such a generic term, Miller Lager. It's right. a, well, you got Duff, you got Duff Light, and you have Duff Dry. Um, and I'm not stopping until I try all three. <laughs> Well, speaking of trying beer, why don't we go ahead and get into our tasting? 
Um, uh, how's that for a segue, Corey? You like that? Um, so we did have the Dreisdorf Kolsch that you you had given us a couple of options, but why did you pick this one? I've I, I've tasted a bunch of Kolsch from Cologne, mm-hmm. um, and so I had sent some with a friend of mine down to Chicago, and he in turn. As a friend, who is now my friend, um, who is actually from Cologne and lives in Chicago. And he was, at the time, doing a bunch of USA Coast-style reviews. And he came back and said that Trefpunk, which is our Coast-style, tasted like Reisdorf, which I was absolutely offended by. Because... <laughs> Everything I knew about Reisdorf was from the early 2000s in Portland, and you could only get the 22-ounce bottles, and they were probably eight months to a year old. And they were not bad, but they were not great. And then Colombo's, like Goffel and Fru and Reisdorf, knew that they had a a market in the U.S., so they started doing better. And after I heard this, I'm like, well, shit, i got to actually try Reisdorf again. So fortunately for me, I have a, a liquor store down the street from us that gets pretty fresh Reisdorf. So I grabbed a four pack. And I tried Reisdorf next to Treff Punk. And I'm like, son of a bitch. He's right. <laughs> and I had to, I had to change it. It's like a journey for me. Cause I didn't, I thought it was whenever I heard Reisdorf, I didn't really think of it as one of the best cone breweries. And then I, Tasted it again, and all of the <clears throat> the stuff that you can get in the U.S. I'm like, oh, this is pretty solid. This is really good beer. So, it for me, it was more of a journey. It was like trap punk tastes like rice rice door. Originally, I didn't like that. Now I like it. It actually is quite a um, honest comparison. All right, so so why don't we jump in? So the way this works is as I take Aaron and JT. JT actually does not have it in front of him, but he has his tasting notes because he had this at a German bar in in Des Moines. Um, So he was able to experience this. So he's going to refer back to his notes, which is okay because he can probably smell more in the bar. <laughs> this is true. Um, it so smelled like desperation and failure, but I'm used to that smell. <laughs> oh boy. Um <laughs> so Aaron and I will go ahead and crack open our beers. <laughs> you got bottles or cans? Can. Nice. Yeah, we, we both uh, were able to secure cans, which I'm pretty excited about. They were they were at first only bottles and then it's up until recently they've been doing they start some ends over and i think that has helped immensely 
I don't know. I don't know how they date code. Yeah, they do. They do a secret date code. Yeah, it's on the bottom. So Julian dating, I'm sure. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. So Julian fries are better. But honestly, (laughs) honestly, now it could be a year old. The breweries in Cologne have gotten the ones that are sending it over here have gotten so much better. Than what they used to. Oh. So the cans right. helped out. All right. Well, sure. So, so Aaron, why don't you go ahead and pour that into your glass? And, I did. Uh, all right. So tell me what. So we're going to start off with with the parents, and I'll start with you, obviously, since you have it in front of you. Sure. Um. So I poured it, not aggressively, somewhat gingerly, actually, and still got a nice, probably two inch head i'm using a tulip glass if you care um but i got a nice two inch head on it it is super clean clear um and a beautiful golden yellow uh, Mm -hmm. on the the darker side of 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 that yellow um but it's just i mean it is very classically like golden beer and very very clear very crisp looking it it, it looks like beer right yeah, yeah. it looks like beer. <laughs> i mean we make that joke all the time uh, on no, this podcast, yeah, yeah. but this one it looks like beer yeah i can see tim through the glass of beer right yeah, exactly 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 uh, JT, what what notes did you take on appearance? He pretty much hit it on what I put is so it's clear. You have to keep in mind if you've never been to Hessen House, the lighting's awful. So. <laughs> that is true. It's probably not the most. Oh I god! Feel. So, but I did the best I could. Uh, clear, oh. lots of bubbles from the bottom is what I got. Golden in color. Uh, nice head, which he said. And I also got some really good solid lacing. I got mine in a giant mug. When she asked if you want a bigger, small version, I said the big. It was a gigantic German mug. Admit it, you were drinking it out of a boot. I'm having a heart attack. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, it was right after work at that point. I'm like, I just, she's like, you want a small pour or you want a big pour? I'm like, I'll take a big pour, expecting to be like, you know, a 20 ounce. Here she comes with this mug that's like 40 ounces. Son of a bitch. Okay. Mother- yeah, it was a leader. Motherfuckers, man. It's a German bar, but they definitely cater to a, a Des Moines, Iowa residents' idea of what a German bar is. Yeah, no, yeah that's like saying it's an American uh, bar, but everything is all about Texas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's just not a Hesed <laughs> House is owned by a group of people that I love all their beer, all their beers. All their restaurants, that's one of my least favorites. It's just, oh, God, it just, no. <laughs> it's amateur hour all the time. It's, it's, and I have it's, some really personal bad history, which won't get into for a legal reason, but yeah. <laughs> my, first and only, my first and only time I've ever lost my license in my life, I'll leave it at that. So, Because so, ah! so, yeah. JT killed a guy, actually. Uh, no, at, at, yeah, at well. yeah. no, actually, I was going to go. Cheers to you, JT. Yeah, <laughs> cheers that I can tell you that much, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I really like it. I it's I I get a nice effervescence in my glass. Yes. It, it, you know, and that lingering head, which is really nice. Um, let's go ahead and jump on to aroma. Um, 
Uh, Aaron, I, I'll go back to you. Okay. Shocker, because JT probably couldn't smell it anyways. I did smell musty. I, <laughs> oh, actually, that's actually kind of a good term. Um, that could just be Hessen House, though, because you look at Hessen House. For what I'm smelling, it's a grassy, musty, a little bit. You probably got an old one then, yeah. You know, but it's not bad. It's just a little hint of it. Um, yeah. It's certainly but, not unpleasant. But, uh, you know, not it's that. Not, it's not it's part not of the horse style. blankety or anything like a Saison, no. but. Cool. But, uh, yeah, and it could means. be just a little on the old side for sure. It was the last can on the shelf when I went and picked it up today. So <laughs> it's entirely possible that the total wine and spirits in. Linwood, Washington, does not have the freshest stock. <laughs> I would actually be surprised that they do not. You know, so but I know the guy. I know one of the guys that brings Kill Spear in in Washington, and I'd be shocked that it was old. But Linwood, there you go. <laughs> you know Steve <laughs> Linwood you get it <laughs> no I so I mean like I get like you know what you expect out of a culture I get that kind of that mild fruitiness that that uh, that uh, I mean it's like a noble hop aroma I, I don't know right, right. right? Uh, which is nice and that that continued effervescence helps to kind of keep that lingering in my nose which is great right between draft, this beer is supposed to be draft. Mm-hmm. That's the beer, supposed to be on draft. So packaging it, they have to do to make it, you know, they have to do their magic to make it perfect on draft on uh, in the cans. So you know, kind of like Guinness, where Guinness on draft, they want to have a can of Guinness taste like Guinness on draft. Kolsch on draft is completely drift different than what we get in the package because this style was originated for draft it wasn't there was never any thought when they brought out this style to put it into bottles or cans and send it to the US or Japan or whatever this is every they're still honestly to their credit working on how you present Kulsh in a package outside of Cologne because they never when they made up this recipe they never thought about that they never thought about it. it wasn't really in their interest but there are a few breweries in in Cologne that were like, "Oh, we're going to send some package over to the U.S." and they're getting, like I said, because Reisdorf was absolute garbage when I tasted it, and now I taste it. I'm like, "This is great!" And now we're getting these awesome Gaffel cans mm-hmm. and brew in Milwaukee. Not by you guys, probably, but I can fruit. get through. Yeah, Fru's doing better. Uh, Zoomt is the one that's not out, that's actually outside the city limits. 
Um, they, I could get it in, in Portland when I lived there. They're doing good, but they, they didn't, when they first thought up this style, they didn't think about putting it in the package. It was all about draft. This style is all about draft. You you mean the the late nineteenth century wasn't thinking about uh candy? No, no 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 this style this <laughs> style was made up in nineteen seventy oh god seventy six. This style is not this style is one of the most new styles. They came actually it was eighty two. I have to go back and review my notes. Um, but this is a very recent style. So what they were doing before known necessarily as Kulsh, but the brewers of the city all got together in the late 70s and decided what Kulsh is. So this is a very young style. This is not something that originated. I mean, it, the... Corey, I, I think... I think we lost you. We're going to go ahead and jump into taste, mouthfeel, and finish, and hopefully you pop back on here uh, in a second. Okay. So, uh, Aaron, why, why don't you go ahead and give me your, your taste, mouthfeel, finish? Okay. Um, it tastes like beer. <laughs> um, but there's good carbonation. Definitely get it on the tip of my tongue. Um <laughs> A bit of a a dryness to it um, as it finishes. It's re- it really. I mean, I say it tastes like beer, but again, it looks like beer. It tastes like beer. Uh, really clean and clear, um, crisp beer. I mean, I'm I'm not very sophisticated, but it, it's good. I like it. I enjoy it. I like Kolsch in general. Um, so maybe not as much as. Casey does, but I do. I do is one of my favorites. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's a it's a well attenuated, but there's still sweetness to it, uh, right? It's still bitter notes that kind of balance it out. It's just a a, a well <sighs> balance is such an overused word in describing <laughs> a beer, but it's exactly the the phrase I want to use when I'm drinking this thing. JT, what what were you getting at a taste mouthfeel finish? Taste says getting clean, uh, getting a note of fruit. Not sure what what it was. Maybe a little bitterness lingers for a bit. Seemed consistent. My mouthfeel was I felt in my cheeks. Uh, only feel on the tip of my tongue and the sides of my tongue. Kind of skip the middle. Uh, the finish was dry, but not bad. Kind of like champagne, but not unpleasant. Um, I would also say it was light, clean, smooth, sweet, and dry. And even 15 minutes into drinking it, I still had effervescence. So this was my first time trying a Kolsch. I put in my notes that if you had me ask me a label, I might have said lager. But I've never had a Kolsch before, but this was really good. It was amazingly simple, but just really freaking good. How have you never had a Kolsch before this? I might have. I just can't remember one. So I've probably right, had we're switching roles. I'm now the beer nerd. <laughs> is the beer I'm sure I've had some pod. sort of Kolsch at some point somewhere, but not an actual Kolsch, but like an American-inspired Kolsch or what have you. So I'm pretty sure I've had one, but it's just been a long, long, long time. So, but yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, 
Corey, you're you're back. Any any kind of final thoughts on this beer? Oh, hey man, I love this beer. This beer is so the the light fruitiness. Um, it's got a touch of sweetness, but not too much. It's they say effervescence, and I would agree with that. But it's kind of I think what most breweries in the U.S. miss, it's got a, like, um, a, I'll say salinity, but it's not really necessary that, but there is a quality to it, like a hardness of the water that I always, I can always recognize. And this is, it hits the spot. It's not what I was trying to get with Trek Punk, but I am absolutely uh, honored to say that Trek Punk tastes like this. If if someone if someone from Cologne said that, I'm actually honored. This is a really good. This is a good uh, version of the style. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I agree. There's a little bit of that minerality, um, but it still has a delicateness to it, which is nice. Uh, for sure. Um, Aaron, any other final thoughts? Um, I don't think so. I mean, this is this is right up my alley, really. Because um, you know me, I'm a logger, pilsner, Kolsch. This is the stuff that I like. I like good, crisp, clean stuff. I'm not an IPA guy. Um. I could never drink another IPA and probably be okay. Um, it's okay. I'll drink it for you. Yeah. Well, with with a couple of exceptions, I'd I'd miss an expatriate once in a while from Three Weavers. Um, but uh, yeah, you know. So um, happy to have had this on the pod and get into to some of these, you know, styles that we haven't really touched on yet. So I'm super happy about that, and uh, I will be looking forward to. Shout out Anya Carter in a couple of weeks when we go to uh, Chuck and Nut Brewing when she comes to visit. Oh, and, uh, God. We're going to get <laughs> ridiculous. Fucking hell. <laughs> what are you talking with at Chuck and Nut? No, we're not talking to. I mean, I'm going to try to see if we can get somebody to come on while I'm there, but I'm mostly just going to get drunk. Yeah. Not really drunk, but you know, spend yeah, basically a whole day drinking. Will will do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anybody there, but I I love their beer. Oh, okay. So you don't have to. Yeah, their I, beers are fantastic. It's incredible. So yeah, super super excited. Had, this, this leads I've me had to those things too. With Will about Kulsh before. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. He and I are on the same trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd love love to have somebody from those guys uh on the pod someday. So I'm I'm gonna work on that, but he would love he'll if you think I'm talkative, holy shit. <laughs> so there you go, Aaron. You you just go in there and you say if you want him to come on, send him a generic email to the con from the contact us. <laughs> He'll be the one that contacts you back. And, and you say, and you say, Corey Blodgett told me that you would will come on here. <laughs> That's right. 
shoot my shot. I never said that. I just said send him an email. Shoot my shot. uh, I said send him an email, and I also said that Will will talk your ear off. I'm gonna send him a. I'm gonna send an email with a link to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Will's a good dude. Those those guys make really good beer. Yeah, they do. Really good beer. Love it. So. Uh, yeah, but no, super happy to have this style and, uh, you know, some, like I said, it's to continuing to explore all the styles that we hadn't yet. So I was excited. Right. So you're in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I live in Everett. Yeah. All right. This is the best, uh, version that you'll American style version that you'll get is theirs. Um, if you can get frame when they have up there, maybe. Yeah, I can I can get Freem up here. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know where they send their calls to. So, um, but uh, Chuck Nut, for sure. Theirs is on the lighter side, uh, color, and um, there's there's uh, they, I would say theirs is on the it's on the lighter side and the maltier side, whereas uh, ours is on the hoppier side. What I like about the style, where if you go in the city, I mean, you can go in a three-block radius and get three different colches from uh, three different breweries. They're hoppy, malty, and some's like totally balanced. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> JT, how about you? You got anything else you want to add? No, I'm just glad that's a severe I got to drink. I wish I could have done it live on the podcast. I guess I'm lucky that I got to do it from a keg. Um, I yeah. don't have much going on tomorrow. I might go back down to Hessen House. And apparently there's a place closer to my house now that has it as well. And yeah, yeah. I, now that we've had the notes from this show and I've heard what I should be tasting, uh, I'm going to give it another try because, yeah, Kolsch is definitely something I don't drink a lot of, but I'm not against it. I'll drink another one for sure. It's a... Uh... It's a big day for Cone. Tomorrow they play uh, their arch rivals in uh, soccer. So, go ahead and on their soccer team. There you go. Tim? Football. Uh, I'm going to do it twice in a row. And I'm going to make you close the show. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, um, Corey, we want to thank you once again for coming on Bitter Units, uh, talking all things Kolsch, all things just beer styles in general. Um, uh, Always appreciate your perspective. uh, Always appreciate your beer. I can't wait to make it back to Milwaukee, come visit you. We'll have to have a beer. We'll certainly have to try to connect. uh over cbc as well um yeah, but bring some up for cbc oh that that would be amazing so uh you I are might conf- be there oh yeah that's true Aaron <laughs> for a day so um so well, you are- I, I tried i tried i tried to get you guys some sand and some beers but i don't actually drive to work i take the bus now so <laughs> i'm going to take some beers and glassware to the post office on the bus 
<laughs> yeah, that's understandable. But, yeah, uh, no, not not a problem. But Corey, no. you are you are Confucian Brewer on Twitter. Is there anything yep. else you would like to plug as we wrap up? Uh, Logger and Friends, I believe it's loggerandfriends.com. It's our Logger Festival where we invite our uh, friends of loggers and friends of brewers to uh, bring their beers to Milwaukee. And one day festival. It's going to be on June fourth, if I remember correctly. And there's Look at the about, website right now, June fourth from tw- from noon to four. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we got upwards of thirty-one, maybe thirty-two. Jack Savvy still hasn't been able to confirm, but they really want to do it. But there's breweries from all over the country uh, that our lager specific to come to Milwaukee and basically have a good time and show that they, that lagers are a great beer style. And so we're happy to have them. So we got dovetail notch East brother, um, Metro metropolitan, uh, from the Minneapolis area, Minneapolis, St. Paul, we got bad weather. So, It'll be a fun time. So if you really, if you want to travel to Milwaukee, one of the best cities in the country, the underrated cities in the country, come on down in June and have a bunch of loggers and hang out with a bunch of cool people and share experiences. Perfect. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sneak in the back of Andy's van. I'll run over to St. Paul and sneak in the back of Andy's van and uh, stow away. That sounds right perfect. on. Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> There, there isn't a brewery from McMinnville, Oregon coming, is there? Um, n- no. <laughs> there was, but she backed out because she couldn't get her beer shipped here. She was invited, or they were invited, and she said they said yes, and... It got too complicated, even though Breakside's coming. No one from Breakside was returning the McMinnville Brewery's mail. So they said they can't send it, but we love them. (laughs) We we love who you're talking about. (laughs) But they're not coming this year although they came they were on the virtual one last year mm. i hope right. we can get her we i hope we can get them back next year but this year it didn't work out because there was on only one oregon brewery and uh they're busy with expansion yeah, wherever they're expanding to, which seems to be their empire right now. Yeah, so no, I love just... that brewery, though. I know who you're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Uh, Loggerandfriends.com. Check that out. Please go ahead and check out Corey and Gathering Place. Uh, really excited. You can find us online at BitterUnits.com on Twitter at at BitterUnits. Of course, visit all of the Tailgate Society content, podcasts, articles, all that fun stuff 
at thetailgatesociety.com. And please visit our sponsor, Revelton Distilling Company, once again at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa. Something, we appreciate you guys. Something, something, something. We appreciate you guys spending this time with us, and uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys. Something, uh, something, Bert Ward. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you guys on the next pod. <laughs> <laughs>